right. I just like to extend another warm welcome to anybody that's a member here and to any of our visitors here as well. In fact, I actually got some of my family members here visiting, my aunties and cousins today. And I just like this to let out, if you don't know, like they said, my name is Jamal Myhan, and uh, I lead our youth and family ministry with uh, my girlfriend, Risa Hardy. And uh, I just want to, you know, like Mark said, this is my uh, first time preaching in front of an audience like this, you know, not really a professional speaker. I mean, even though my degree's in communications. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but what one thing I want to do, you know, just to get the nerves and jitters up out of me, right, is that I want to make y'all one promise today, right? One promise. And that promise is today, and this lesson, find yourself somewhere in this lesson. And I know you're probably thinking, man, that's a lot, that's arrogant of you to say, or bashful, or hasty. But it's not because I have confidence in me whatsoever. It's my confidence in the word of God that is living and active, and that is going to convict y'all here today. In fact, I'm so sure of it that there will be times where you won't even need to take notes, because what I said will be written on your heart today. And with that, I'd like to jump into today's lesson, right? And the title of today's lesson is, Does This Offend You? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that, that word offend, it has a strong meaning to it, right? When you just hear the word offensive, it's just like, man, what, it just has a strong word to it. It just, it just brings a lot of feelings just add up out of you. And, you know, we live in an offensive world today, right, where everybody just gets easily offended, where it's just even hard to not offend anybody. In fact, I have an image of what it looks like trying to avoid somebody in this day and age right now. <laughs> That's what it looks like, right? It's just like you're dodging every laser, every single thing that you can not to offend someone. You can't even look at someone without being offended. I've been in a car, and the passenger in my car is just like, why are you looking at me like that? I'm like, I think that's his face. <laughs> I just think that's his face. So I don't know why. And you can't even say nothing. You got to make sure you come politically correct. You got to make sure you do everything not to offend someone. But the thing is, when I read the Bible, I don't see Jesus care about that at all, right? <laughs> Jesus, he just tells it as it is, right? He's the type of person he walks in. They say he's de they're dead, and he says they're not. And it's just like, what? And that's what I want to look at today in here is turn to John chapter 6, if you will. And that's where I want to start out today, where we look at a message that was quite offensive to a lot of people and how the people responded. And in this, and in this so-called offensive message, Jesus reveals the heart of three different types of people in it. And that's what I want us to look at today is the three types of people that he reveals within his offensive message. And just to give the backdrop of John chapter 6, starting in verse 60 through 71, we're coming towards the tail end of it. And during this time... This is when Jesus, you know, feeds the 5,000, right? And when he walks on water. But what's happening here is once after he feeds the 5,000, the next day, he challenges them with a message, right? That he's the true bread from heaven, that they got to eat his flesh, drink his blood. Like if they want to be have eternal life, they have to do his will and follow everything he does. And at that point, that's when he really challenges them, right? And we know Jesus, when he gets a big crowd, he wants to challenge them, right, and dwindle the numbers down. If Jesus was in the ministry today, he probably wouldn't be in it for so long. Because if he would see all of y'all and say, okay, I'm going to get it down to 12. And, and it just wouldn't work that way. And so here we see how those disciples that were following him from the beginning, how did they, how did they react to his challenging message? So starting here in John chapter 6, starting in verse 60, he says, Therefore, when many of his disciples heard this, they said, 
this teaching is hard. Who can accept it? Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were complaining about this, asked them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to observe the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit is the one who gives life. The flesh doesn't help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit in our life. But there are some among you who don't believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning those who would not believe and the one who would betray him. He said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. From that moment, many of his disciples turned back and no longer accompanied him. Therefore, Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away too, do you? Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus replied to them, didn't I choose you, the twelve? Yet one of you is the devil. Like At this point, Jesus is still going in, it seems. He was referring to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, one of the twelve, because he was going to betray him. And the first person I want to hit on in, in this passage is the quitter, right? And what sticks out to me, right, it's obvious who the quitter is in this passage. It's the ones at the beginning who said, this message is hard to accept, right? They're like, who can do this, right? This is a hard teaching. And when I think about it, in life we get a lot of hard teachings, right? When I like, if you're going off to college and you fail your first college test, that's a hard teaching. You realize I can't just look at the review for 20 minutes like I did in high school and pass it anymore. Or maybe it's when you pay your first ever bill, right? And do you know this is going to be the repeated cycle over and over and over that you're paying bills for the rest of your life, <laughs> right? And, or it could be if you're working at a retail job or a, food or a restaurant and, and they teach you the customer is always right. And you know the customer is always wrong. <laughs> you know that. And when I think of hard teachings, I think back in my life when I received a hard teaching back in my uh, adolescent days, right? And the teaching that I found out, it, was, it wasn't getting in trouble because I just, back when I was little, I used to get in trouble a lot. It was, uh, we're not getting into that. But I used to get in trouble a lot. And so, you know, of course, you, you know, you get in trouble enough, you know, they want to bother their parents when they're at work. You know, that's what your parents are really upset about because they bothered them at work. So now they really got to let you have it because you took them away from money. And so, and so, and so basically at this point, I'm just like, okay, I'm already, the hard teacher isn't me getting in trouble or me about to get, or me about to get disciplined. But the fact was on my way home, I was thinking, okay, how can I get out of this beat down? Because I let my mom know, and I know she's going to come and beat me down. And at this time, back then, this movie, this, this old movie, it was like the Jackson 5 and American Dream movie based on uh, Michael Jackson and, and his family members, right? And in the, scene of the, in the scene of the movie, Michael Jackson gets away from the beatdown from his dad, right, by hunter, un, hiding underneath a bed. And he, like, stays underneath there. He's small enough, and the bed is pretty wide and big for him to stay underneath there out of his dad's reach. And so my thought process, I'm going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hide underneath the bed, and she's not going to be able to get me. And so, of course, I get home, but then I get distracted because I look at what time it is, and then I'm just like, oh, snap, Dragon Ball Z's on. So then I'm sitting down. <laughs> so then I just sit down and start watching Dragon Ball Z, and next thing I know, I hear a door open. Where are you at? And I was like, oh, no, I remembered. And I was like, I started running. If you could just freeze frame it, it was one of those, the record scratching. You're probably wondering how I got myself in this situation, right? <laughs> and so I'm just I'm running up underneath the bed, hiding underneath there, 
And then the next thing I know, it hit me that I'm too big for to hide underneath this bed. And this bed is too wide. And so, of course, she yanks me out and just gets the welling on me, right? And just, and just gets the getting up on me. It got so bad that my dad came in. He didn't even know what I was even in trouble for. My mom just said, Chris, I'm tired. Your turn. And he just gets to getting at me, too. Uh, and and, and not, not aware of the situation, he just tagged it and just started going. And I'm just like, and it was like, he, like I don't need to know. I already know you messed up. And, it was just, and that stuck with me, right? That was a hard teaching for me to accept that I can't hide underneath the bed. And when I get in trouble, I'm going to get beat down. So I stopped getting in trouble. Uh, 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 that's when I realized, okay, I just can't do this anymore. But when I think about that, right, there's a lot of hard teaching out there that Jesus gives us that's hard to accept, right? That it's just like, man, this is hard. How can I do this, right? And when we look at it, it's just like he can give us something like denying yourself or loving people regardless, right, or turning the other cheek, or loving him more than you love anybody in your family, right? And that was the challenge that he was giving these people here in this passage. But the thing is, we got to look at why were these people even here from the get-go? They were here because, as Jesus pointed out in earlier scripture, because they got fed. They got food. That's all it was. They got fed up to their feeling, then they're like, well, he keeps feeding us. I'm going to keep coming. You know, if someone keeps giving you free food, he's like, bet, I'm going to be over again. And so that's what it was like. Well, he keeps giving us free food, so I'm going to keep coming. But so then he really got to the heart of the message saying, like, it's more than just eating this temporary food. It's about following him. And the question you got to ask yourself is, why are you really here today anyways? Because it's going to be exposed in the end just like these people. Because if you're not here for any reason but to follow God, you're going to bound to leave eventually. And the thing is, we quit on so many things. Of course, while you're here, you're thinking, well, Jamal, I'm already here. I'm physically here. How, how am I a quitter? But, though, but look at the passage. It says those were his disciples. These are people that obviously repented and been baptized that are following him now at this point. So obviously, y'all, I would say some of y'all, most of y'all in here would claim you're disciples, right? So the thing is, what separates you from them? And that's the thing you have to see are what are things that you've already quit on in life? Have you quit on certain people? I know that's my tendency to do. You know, after a certain amount of times, after someone calls you up so many times about the same issue, you just want to ignore the phone call, right? You're like, man, I don't want to take this. I know what it's about, and I don't want to hear it. Or maybe you quit on some of your, on your family members. You're just like, they'll never learn. They'll never get it. There's no use getting to them. Maybe you quit on your kids. I don't got no time to talk about God with them. They'll never understand. They want to do what they want to do. Maybe you quit on your own parents. Or maybe you quit on your spouse. You just ain't even let them know it yet. Maybe it's something, there's things that you really have to look at. What are things that you quit on in your life that can hold you back from following God? Because if you don't address it, it's going like it, to come true at the end of it all. And then I just think about it, man. Even when it comes to quitting, sometimes it's not even just, the, it, maybe it's not even just the fact that you got to repent or follow Jesus that causes you to want to quit. Maybe it's certain events in your life that happen, right? Maybe it's a death in the family. Maybe it's financial troubles. Maybe it's trouble in the home, marital relationships, broken relationships. These are things in here that can cause us all to quit if we don't address it. And, there's just, and, it's just, and, it can be, and I get it. It can be a burden on us, right? Because it, it doesn't seem like just one thing that hits you. It's piled on top of one another, right? 
But the thing is, there's a passage in here in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 10, that sticks out to me about when the pressure hits. And it says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. It puts it up there right up front, right? If you feel under pressure, your strength is too small. But now the question is, what strength is it referring to, though? Right? Because we get it a lot. Throughout the Bible, it talks about we're never supposed to rely on ourselves, but we're supposed to rely on God. And so when I read that passage, it hits me that this is not just talking about my own strength, but where my faith is at in God. And so it lets you know, man, if something happens to you, if you fall so quickly, it lets you know where your faith was already at in the beginning with God. It lets you know that it wasn't even there from the beginning. So if you have something where you get into a rift with somebody and then you're just like, well, I guess I'll just fall away. You've already fallen away in your heart. You've already haven't been here with God from the beginning. Because if you're just here for people, I don't know about y'all, but people aren't perfect. People are going to upset you. People are going to do something that's going to just tick you off. And you got to be willing to understand that, man, my faith isn't in them. It's in God. And that's where you have to be at when it comes to, when it comes to that. And the thing we have to realize, too, is when you ask yourself do you, why you follow Jesus, do you have a scripture to back up why you follow Jesus? Do you have a scripture to point you saying, this is why I love to follow this man? Or are you just saying, I follow him? Because if you don't bring it back to scripture, then you're not bringing it back to anything. And you have to always realize, man, like what these disciples didn't realize. The issue, it wasn't the harshness of Jesus' words that was offensive. It was the hardness of their hearts. And that's the thing you have to ask. We can get offended a lot by what someone shares with Jesus. It can be shared, you know, if you live like this, you're not entering in the kingdom of God. Nobody wants to be told they're not entering the kingdom of God. No one wants to be told they're going to hell. But that's the truth at times. And instead of being offended about it, how about you do something about it for once? Instead of pointing the finger saying, who are you to tell me where I'm going? How about you actually repent and start following Jesus? Instead of just figuring out how is this offensive to you? I mean, is what I'm saying resonating? Does this offend you or anything? And that's what we have to look at when it comes to being a quitter. But when I look at just a quitter, right, it's more than just a quitter in this story. The per- there's a person even here that God despises even more than a quitter. And that's the second person I want to look at. And that's the pretender. Yeah. And, in the, with, and with the pretender, right, we see obviously who he's talking about, Judas, right? He calls this man the devil. Think about it. You call somebody the devil, that's like the insult of all insults, right? And it always gets me, too, like when he calls him this, and none of the disciples are realizing who he's talking about at the time. It's just like they're just fooled by it. But think about that. The disciples, the whole three years, they didn't know Judas was going to betray Jesus. The only person that knew was Jesus. For Judas to do this, he had to pretend pretty well. He, out there bapti- he was out there baptizing with people. He was out there casting out demons. He was sharing his faith. He was out there preaching the word to people. He was praying. He was fasting. He was at everything they were at. He put up the best disguise ever, right? And when I think of a, of a pretender, right, of what is today's age of pretender looks like, right, there's a certain picture I think of that I have that I, that I think of a pretender. And it's that. And not the Michael Scott face, but it's more the 99.9% of all LOLs are said with a face like this. <laughs> That's what they are. I remember sending a text to somebody saying, hey, where are you at? I'm five minutes away, LOL. 
what's the LOL for? I'm not understanding here. I'm just asking where you at. And so it's, it's become just so innate for us just to send an LOL looking like this, LOL. And you're not even, and you're not even really laughing. You're more, you maybe do a little smirk and then you stop, but you're not laughing out loud. You're not laughing out loud. I don't think I've, in fact, when I'm around people sending a text message, I don't think I've really ever seen somebody laugh out loud. And so I'm not a statistician, but that may be almost correct. But the thing is, right, with LOLs, we have our own LOL phrases, even within the church, right? Like, let me, let me ask, have you ever heard this? I'll pray for you, brother. But do you pray? Hey, 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 we really need to get some time together. Have you got the time yet? Hey, 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 I'll call you later on today. Five days later. Uh, right? And there's even, and even when we look at it, there's even deeper phrases that we have. Anytime someone says, I don't like what the church teaches, is it you don't like what the church teaches? Or is it you don't like what God teaches? Is it people don't call or talk to me enough or hang out with me enough? Or is it I'm too focused on serving myself instead of serving people like God wants me to do? Is it are you still holding a grudge at a certain person? Or is it more the fact or is it more the fact that God challenged you on loving people, loving them regardless? These are things we have to look at. We can't be fooled by somebody showing up to Wednesday, Sunday service, being with us all the time. Because the thing is, we if you start if you become a disciple in this church, you know how to play the disciple real well. You know what people need to hear for them to think you're doing well? Oh, yeah, yeah, I've been at the events all this month, man. Yeah, yeah I'm in a couple studies, yeah. Yeah, I read my Bible every day. You know the things to make somebody be like, okay, brother's doing well. You know the things to say. But the thing is, so did Judas. And so the things you have to look at is, where is your heart really at? And if you think God plays around with pretenders, look at what John 2 says in here. In John 2, 23 through 25, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. If Jesus was around you, would he trust you? Think about that. Would he trust you? Would he see you and greet you with a hug, or would he see you and be, hold on here? Right? Because a lot of times, just like he says, these people here trusted him, but he saw their heart. And that's what we have to look at as well when it comes to going after people. We have to look at the heart. We can't put actions over the heart. When you disciple somebody, you got to disciple the heart, not the actions. Because the, the heart will show the true intentions behind the actions. And so I don't know if you, if you feel like, man, this is, this is what I'm doing. This is, I'm just pretending. But, I prom- but the thing is what you need to do is you need to get open. You can't let what's sitting on your heart just sit there because it's going to be exposed. That's what the scripture says. It will be exposed and Jesus will see you for what you are. And just to let you know the seriousness of, of pretending, we're even going to go back to how God took this even back in the Old Testament time, right? Back in Ezekiel 33, verses 30 through 32. If y'all don't know, I'm just, I'm a fan of the Old Testament prophets. And it says here in Ezekiel 33, verse 30, son of man. Your people talk about you in their houses and whisper about you at the doors. They say to each other, come on, let's go hear the prophet tell us what the Lord is saying. So my people, come pretending to be sincere 
and sit before you. They listen to your words, but they have no intention of doing what you say. Their mouths are full of lustful words, and their hearts seek only after money. You are very entertaining to them, like someone who sings love songs with a beautiful voice or plays fine music on an instrument. They hear what you say, but they don't act on it. I don't know about y'all, but I don't think God takes too kind of pretenders, right? He doesn't take too kind to it. And that's what you have to see is, man, what's really offending you about what God says that you're not being open about? What's God really been getting at you about that you keep on wanting to pretend about? What are your reasons for even being here? Maybe it's for material needs. You feel like you can get what you want from disciples being given. Maybe you're just looking for that emotional experience. You always want to have the drama going on in your life. You always feel like you have to have something going on in your life for people to focus on you. Maybe you're looking for power. Maybe recognition. Maybe business ventures. You want to connect with people in here. Maybe you're just looking for that miraculous sign or wonder, right? But that's not what God wants you to be here for. He wants you to be here for him and to have a relationship with him. So, man, the way to combat being a pretender is, man, ask questions. The thing I found out is always ask why, 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 why. Because sooner or later you're going to get them talking and the heart's going to be revealed. You can't be fooled by the, no, no, I was here. Why were you here? I follow Jesus. Why do you follow Jesus? These are questions that you got to ask yourself because if you don't have the answer for it, man, it's going to be, your your true intentions are really going to be revealed. And trust me, you want to get them revealed here instead of being revealed on the judgment day. And... And that's just what you just have to look at. You try to make sure you have the true reasons. The word of God can't be just entertainment. It can't be here, you know, to come see the worship team, you know, do their thing. You know, I know you want to come see them do their thing and everything. But it's not just about hearing them sing. In fact, even while you're singing, do you even know why you're singing? Are they just words to you? Do you even know the meaning behind the songs that we sing? Or are you just clapping along, saying the words, following the screen? Because I don't know about y'all, a lot of times I'm just like, man, I don't even remember the words to these songs. But I can remember the songs to a song that I like on the radio or anything like that with no problem. So the thing is, man, why can't I remember the words to the songs up here? Maybe because they're not really resonating in my heart like that. (laughs) And that's just something that you really have to look at, man, what's really going on in your heart. And I want to hit on the last person, the last person that's revealed in this passage. And that's the true follower. And then we see here in verses, back in verses 67 through 69, as what, this is one of Peter's high moments. I know he doesn't have a lot of high moments, guys, but this is when he gets it right for once, right? And it says here, therefore Jesus said to the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? That always gets me when I read that. Like Jesus looked at them after all these thousands of people left. He looked at the 12, you don't want to go away too, do you? Like, dude, you're already losing people as it is. Calm it down. Settle down, Jesus, settle down. <laughs> and like, he's just like, no, I'm going to just keep going at the heart. And then we see here, as I said, Simon Peter, he finally gets an answer right, right? He says, Simon Peter answered, Lord, who will we go to? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. And we look at that verse and just like, yeah, you know, like y'all said, right? It's just like, yeah, we get it. Peter sees that he has, who, who is there to go to? But let's look at Peter's life before Jesus. He had a steady job. He was, he was a fisherman, but he had a steady job. He has a wife. He had, obviously, with Jesus healing the mother-in-law, we see Peter has family. He has friends. So 
Peter, you do have somewhere to go if you didn't follow Jesus. You have a lot to go back to. But it clicked with Peter, right, that none of that stuff is nothing because it's not Jesus. He clicked to him that, yeah, my wife is great, but she doesn't, but she doesn't have the words of eternal life. Yeah, you know what, my job is great, but it's not going to fulfill me eternally. He gets the bigger picture. He sees outside of that, that, dude, I have all this stuff, but it's nothing compared to Jesus. And I even look at it. I even look in just a simple passage in Matthew 9, verse 9, that says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. So it's like, okay, Matthew got up and followed him. But think about it. Matthew's a tax collector. He has a pretty good job. Has he been probably cheating people? Yeah. But he has a good job. He has a lot of money. Even, we even see when Jesus invites him over, he has friends. Matthew has a lot going for him already. But he sees, man, what, is it going to be hard to follow Jesus? Yes. But it's going to be even harder to watch him walk away from me. And so that's why he gets up and follows him. And that's what we see. The disciples outside of Judas, they get it. They get what it means to follow Jesus. They get what it means to put everything behind because they know the only place I'm going to get the words of eternal life is from Jesus. And the thing you got to ask yourself is where exactly have you been seeking for the words of life? Is it in Jesus or is it outside of him? And that's what you really have to look at. And I just want to hit on three practicals about what I see here from, 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 Peter and, from, Peter, from Peter and the rest of the disciples here. The first one is, the first practical is they don't have a plan B. There's no plan B, right? And the thing is, you're always taught to have a plan B, whether it comes to school, to work. You got to have the backup plan just in case something happens, right? But the thing is, we can't have that approach when it comes to following Jesus. It can't be that nostalgic feeling like, oh, I remember when I used to do this. No, there's no you can't be reflecting on that. Because if you reflect on the thing you used to do, Satan already has a foothold in you. He has you right where he wants you. And that's what you have to see is just like, man. You can't be given, you can't have no backup plan. You have to be like, it's Jesus or bust, right? It's Jesus or bust. And so whatever plan B you may have, I'm telling you right now to get rid of it. Whatever plan B you be like, well, outside of Jesus, I could do this, get rid of it. Because it doesn't have the words of eternal life. I can guarantee that. And what the second practical I want to hit on is, is to... Have a Christ-worthy example, being a Christ-worthy example worthy of imitation. And the thing, what I mean by this, and it reflects on me is, man, is your example, does it bring people to Christ? And the example that always sits sits with me, and it's back when I was in the teens, and it's the example set by my parents. Back when I was in the teens, right, uh, I didn't have money for a car, so it's not like I could drive around to where we had places. And back during the teens, when I was in the teens, we had an event like every Friday. Like it was every week and everything. And so, but the thing is, when I wanted to go, my parents made sure I got there. Whether it be an event, a Devo, or a teen service, they made sure I got there. Even if it inconvenienced them, they made sure I got there. The one that sticks out to me the most was when my senior year, right, and uh, we had a football game, obviously. So, you know, I'm, the game's lasting until like 11 p.m. But also on this night, uh, the Contreras' were having a crash night. And back then, if you weren't at a Contreras' crash night, it was like, you're, what are you doing with your life? So it was just like, I got to make sure I get there. So I'm asking my parents, knowing like, man, 
Uh, I know my mom has work at three. My dad has work at five in the morning. This is really going to inconvenience them, right? And I just asked them what their thoughts were if they would take me, and they said, yeah. And I was like, well, I mean, I understand because you got to sleep. You got to wake up in the morning. But they said that's the life of the disciple. You're inconvenienced at times. But so what? And that's what stuck with me is that, man, that's what stuck with me. Anytime I feel inconvenienced, I feel like, man, I don't want to do this. I think back on the example my parents set for me. They never, it wasn't more like go read this or go do this. I just watched them and I saw Christ in them. And that's what you have to look at is, man, even in your household, parents, do your kids even see Christ-like examples? Are you just telling them what to do? Because that's what I remember. I don't remember what my folks telling me. I remember the example they set. And the thing is, I want to let y'all know here is all of y'all are in here have an example worthy of imitation. And that's what you have to see. Because I can remember even the Parkers, Jamie Parker, you know, man. He was like the first, what I remember him as the first white guy to give me a big old hug and stuff, right? And that's what I love about Jamie. Jamie's always loving and stuff like that. And I even see Robin, who I know she's more of the introvert, but, man, she gets out of herself when she needs to and still, and still gives to everybody. I think of the Nesses about how giving they are when it comes to household. If they're still holding a Super Bowl party every year for people like they always do. And, man, they're giving me so many things. If the Nesses, if the, hey, campus, the campus brothers that used to stay at Center Chase, the Nesses are the ones that came through with the clutch, the clutch couch in the recliner. Those are the ones that gave that to us. And I think back, I even think back to my former team leaders like T and Pre, who before team leaders got, you know, paid to do this, they had to have a full-time job, so they had to balance a job and try to help the stubborn kids out, right? And just seeing about just the work they put themselves through, those were examples worthy of imitation. And the thing is, have you become lukewarm with your examples? Are you making excuses not to set an example now? Is something too far for you to get to? Is something not fitting your time frame the right way? Is, is it too much of a hassle? Because as a true follower, you're going to be inconvenienced. That's what following Jesus means is being inconvenienced, man. But you got to get over yourself and see the reward through it. Because if I didn't have my parents' example, I don't know if I would have made it to being a Christian. That's what pushed me through to making it. And so those are examples that you have to see is, man, all y'all in here have an example worthy of imitation. You just have to see it. And the last, the last point I want to hit on, it's in Romans 9, actually. The final point in concluding that, you know, going in for a landing. In Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, and this will show the heart of you, if you as a true follower. Because this is the heart I think of as a true follower. With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Paul here is saying something that's unheard of. To save his own brothers and sisters, he would be willing to cut himself off from Christ if he could. Think about that. If he cuts himself off from Christ, that's it for him. If he's not connected to Christ, that's it for him. But he sees that, and he's like, that's fine, because that's the example Jesus left for him. And the thing is, you got to ask yourself, is that your heart right here today? Are you willing to be cut off from Christ from the per person sitting right next to you? Would you be willing to cut yourself off from Christ to see them saved? That's what you got to look at, because a lot of times we look at, man, I'm trying to get through the gates, man. If anybody can make it, y'all make it, but I'm getting in, right? I'm getting in. I'm getting in. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I'm getting in. But that's not, that wasn't Paul's mindset. Paul's mindset, he was solely focused on making sure other people were saved. And he said, man, 
if I could, if I wasn't a sinner, if I wasn't already perfect as it was, I would cut myself off from Christ to see y'all saved. That's where he was at. Oh, well, this is a Washington, well, whatever. But, <laughs> and so that's where he, that's what he, that's what he, that's what Paul saw, right? And that's the thing you have to ask yourself, is that your heart for the lost right now? Is it so bad that you want to see people saved that you, that you will put your own salvation on the line for it? Because if that's not your heart, man, you can't let, you can't let that distract you like the wasp is distracting some of you, right? You can't let distract that from you. And the thing is that I also, that stands out to me as a true follower is, a true follower is they seek, they seek the truth, not answers. And what I mean by that is, is that you're only, if you're only looking for answers, you'll look until you find one you like best or the one that suits your own desires. If you're looking for truth, then you must remove your personal desires and, oh, my fault, guys. <laughs> you must remove your personal desires and influences before then, just like these two disciples. And that's the thing that you have to look at, man. Are you seeking answers? Are you seeking truth? And I hope today with this lesson that, man, did you find yourself in it? Because I'm sure you did. If you felt a little offended, that's fine. That's what Jesus is going for, right? And the thing is, you got to get over yourself and take the message for what it is. And it, you got to ask yourself today, which one are you? Are you in the quitter category? Are you the pretender? Maybe there's some things about the true follower that you learned that, hey, I'm not really quite doing that. I need to start picking it up and start doing that. That's what you really need to do.